motif are you going to shake your maraca? There. <laughs> maraca complete. Uh. Uh, I really hope someone or whoever is listening to this has also listened to the last episode where the Morocco was introduced. Mm. Or else that made no sense. At the cardboard box paper clips. Yes. The or future twist, Morocco. Twist house. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. So Latif and I are recording this episode. This is going to be like episode uh, 82, I think. Getting close to 100. Yeah. We got to do something cool for 100. I think so. We'll, you know do it in, we'll do it in French. But neither of us speak that. That's the great thing. We'll That's do it through Google Translate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I'll whisper it into my phone and then like play it on the mic. That'd be the worst 100 <laughs> episode ever. It'd be so long. <laughs> we don't even edit out the parts where we're saying it in English. Yeah, we just leave it in. Uh-huh. I was thinking if we had the resources to do, which we don't, but it would be great. Since last Christmas, we did the... Remember that computer-generated script? Oh, about, yeah. About the Christmas skeleton and all that? A computer-generated podcast? No, if we had the resources to actually go out and Shoot film it. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. That was a funny uh, script. I still think about it. <laughs> it's been a year. I think our recording, our our you know like voice play of it was probably even funnier. Yeah, you know, I think that's one of the few things I've re-listened to. Because it's hilarious. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. This week, what are we talking about, Latif? Now we're going to talk about using stock footage mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that in your films. Sure. What you really need to look out for, though, is the first episode of Gun Talk. God talk so Latif and I are recording this episode right after we recorded the last one and in between I I can't get this idea of gun talk out of my head it's hilarious to me (laughs) gun talk we just review guns but we never touch them or look at them or try them yeah the idea is we put on southern draws and we just find pictures of guns and review them as if we're actually using them, but mm. we have no idea what we're talking about. Mm. Have you ever held a gun before? No. no. No? I held one once when I was like 12. That's a good age. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, military family, right? <laughs> Matthew, come here. <laughs> We'd be shocked to learn that it was actually the minigun from Terminator, <laughs> and I immediately fell and hit my face. <laughs> Yeah, this idea of gun talk. I can't get it in my head. I'm actually legitimately trying to get Latif to do this. <laughs> the only reason I'm not sold on it is... Because, because could... of the topic? No. It's a funny idea. But after episode three, it'll be like... We're just going to do the same thing we did in episode <laughs> one. Maybe that'll make it even funnier, though. <laughs> and we'll have callbacks. Be like, you remember in that era episode one yeah that was last episode yeah you know how we said that that gun would be real good at killing yeah i bet you this gun would be real good at killing too my only uh my only pushback would be it's kind of satirical yeah but the problem with satire is some people don't know that you're Mm -hmm. kidding and we might get like a mass following of people who are like this is a great show 
but they really love guns. So we're basically going to be false messiahs? In a way. I think that would be bad. That sounds great. We could, like, lead a gun revolution, mm-hmm. and then we're just like, we don't care about guns. We're just joking. Or at the end, we'd be like, the true moral of what we've been trying to preach is that guns are better in pictures than in real life. So if you really like guns, Painting. give up your guns and just have pictures of guns everywhere. <laughs> That's the thing where, like, you know, we, we might have some American listeners. We're from Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, no one cares about guns here. No. Like, no one. No, not really. Even people who who do care about guns, mm-hmm. they're not, like, crazy about them. No. Yeah, they're very... I like guns. That's about it. I might have one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, like, in the States, it's like... They will kill you. Yeah, I think it depends where you go, too. <laughs> if you don't let them have their gun. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's pretty It's pretty intense. Yeah. The NRA itself is kind of an anomaly. Yep. That's... that's. We'll talk about the NRA on our other podcast, Gun Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, well, let, let's jump into the topics. Um I know you have some stronger feelings on this next one than I do, so stock, stock footage. footage. What do you think, Mister? Yeah, well, I, I've I've used stock footage a lot on projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember uh, it was like 2014, 15, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think 14. I was working on a project. It was an advertisement for a company, and it was 90% stock footage. 90. Yeah, like well, most of it was uh, going to be based off stock footage. Okay. So I had to go through websites and find. Can you talk about it? Like, what is it? It's a, a commercial, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a company that um, they make a, a product that you put into a building, and it's supposed to detect an earthquake before it happens. Okay. And it notifies you, and so it's like a radar kind of thing. Yeah, it's a global positioning using satellites to inform people or I don't I don't know exactly I don't remember but that's kind of the the way it works like it, it mm-hmm. detects seismic waves and sends it to like a satellite and then people find out that there's an earthquake about to happen wherever mm-hmm. the hell the thing is and <coughs> it's designed for industrial use so like in mm-hmm. you know big buildings or maybe in schools or in like a you know, like a water cleaning plant or something like that, um, for heavier use. Uh, so it's not something you'd have in your home, mm-hmm. unless you lived in a mansion. But uh, <laughs> that—that's kind of the idea of the product. But we had to use all stock footage because we wanted to show like natural disasters, um, or like fires after mm-hmm. like something happened. It's, it's supposed to be kind of like stuff you just don't shoot because it's very expensive yeah. to shoot. So what was the ten percent? Was it like a talking head? Like a salesman being like, with Quake Tech, you'll know when it's coming. That name is so close to the name. Is it really? <laughs> and I no think that, way. that was like one of the lines. So we were like, with Quake Tech, my mind went. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm seeing it again. No. Uh, it was it was so close to that. I don't want to say the name of the company, but I'm gonna uh, ask you after. It was, and there was a narration just like that. It's like with Quake Deck, you can detect earthquakes before they happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
the stuff that wasn't stock footage was actually shots of the the machine and the product and okay and you know that was the whole uh, the whole commercial it was just like shots of the machine and then a bunch of natural disaster footage mm-hmm. and like ambulances and stuff kind of showing you like the aftermath and how things kind of happen mm-hmm. and what it can help you avoid and I had to basically find a bunch of stock footage and sit with the client and be like how about this does this make sense and source things and put it together yeah. for that project that's exactly the way you probably would want to do it mm-hmm. it's the most cost effective way and it gets the, the idea across and when you use stock footage of actual events it feels more realistic yeah it's more like a documentary you, you get real moments put together and, and kind of show you the scale of the, the the thing you're trying to talk about but you can't realistically shoot that so mm-hmm. that's one of the scenarios where yes that's where you use stock footage yeah um, but there are other times where people use stock footage and it's like super not the right way to go okay. it's like not appropriate for the project mm-hmm. and it doesn't fit and sometimes it just like looks off it doesn't look like it connects with whatever you're mm-hmm. making and I've been in that position too and can you that's give an thing. example of one of those yeah well like in a film like someone's making a film yeah um, and it's all shot in one camera and it's got a very specific look and then you just get the stock footage from whatever the hell website and mm-hmm. just throw it into your project shot on an iPhone 10 like who knows you, you know because yeah. like sometimes people don't even pay attention to all the specs mm-hmm. where you should it'll be like in a different frame rate it doesn't even match your movie yeah and it's just in the middle of your movie for like you know 10 seconds and you're like mm-hmm. that shot does not fit in your movie it just looks <laughs> off and I've had that um, where people just like throw stock footage into their thing yeah. and it doesn't fit at all um, and that's where I'm like that I don't like that actually mm-hmm. I hate I don't like when people use stock footage like that yeah. So that's kind of where where my line is like when do you use stock footage and how do you use it? When is it inappropriate? Mm. And um when is it necessary? Yeah. Well I was gonna ask for those ones, like what was the reason they did it? Was it a sheer laziness thing? Was it a they ran out of time and they needed something quick? Or like why why did it happen? in those situations well it's hard for me to get into the mind of the the person doing it but Mm. a part of me is like yes it's like there isn't enough footage we gotta put something in there let's just Mm -hmm. get some stock footage just to fill space yeah that's one reason and that you know for me sometimes it's clear when that's the reason like oh we got voiceover we gotta put some images over it let's just get some stock footage yeah I hate that I think it's like the worst that feels very commercial it is, and and when you do it in a film, it just kind of like it kills the mm-hmm. authenticity of it. Yeah, because well, I can spot stock footage from a mile away. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of interesting um, with you how you say that too. Because remember, like when we were doing or like when we were prepping for what we don't say, and we watched Into the Wonder and some Terrence Malick. That happens morning. all the time. <laughs> like Ben Affleck monologuing over trees. But they shot you know? all that. Yeah, yeah, but it was intentional, right? Mm-hmm. So is it that it comes off very disingenuous to you when people do the stock route? It depends. When it's, you know, in a commercial, mm-hmm. that's just how it's done. Like yeah. Commercials. Picture of blue sky, talk to your doctor about Viagra. Yeah, advertisements, like, they live in the world of stock footage. Yeah. So I'm not, like, there's no reason for me to be mad about that. This is how it works. Yeah. Um... 
But uh, when we're talking about filmmaking, I get a little like stock footage is like the opposite of what you want. Mm-hmm. Someone else shot it with not the same intentions as you had. And if they shot that, they probably shot it with the most generic intentions possible. Yeah, so anyone so, could use it. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, uh, but, you know, I do think you can do something interesting. You know, say you're like, I want to make a movie that mm-hmm. tells a story and gives a feeling. And I only want to use stock footage. Mm-hmm. And you approach it that way and you really like try to put something together like a mosaic. Mm-hmm. And create like this thing. That might be interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. But if you make something really with a vision and, you know, you kind of get there. But you're like, ah, I don't want to shoot that. And you're like, let's just find some stock footage and mm-hmm. throw it in there. I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. Because like those little... Those little things and those little moments are really what make you as a filmmaker yeah. and as a director. Um, you know, because even in Terrence, Terrence Malick's stuff, like to the Tree of Life, mm. which is you know undoubtedly like his masterpiece. There are shots of like the sky and just like leaves and the tree in the back of the yard, and they shot all that, and you can mm-hmm. you can tell because it's the same tree. Yeah, and there's so much like detail put into how they they chose to frame these things and the light and and how it's captured like mm-hmm. the film it's shot on um, they really go the extra mile to make sure it really feels connected and if you just like took some stock footage of some other tree and just chucked it in there <laughs> um, you'd feel it because mm-hmm. like you see that tree throughout the film many times mm-hmm. and you kind of start to recognize it you're like oh yeah it's that tree. It's the tree of life. The, mm-hmm. the tree in their in their backyard. It, it's so connected to the story and these people. And then if you just like, you know, get some tree that was shot in a park, it's not the same tree. Yeah. It looks a little different. The leaves are maybe not the same. And that that would be like, kind of breaking away from your vision and doing mm-hmm. something inauthentic, just to save time. Yeah. Or to save money, uh, as opposed to really doing the work. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that does bug me and I see it a lot Mm -hmm. Um, the only other time where I think it's okay to use stock footage because you can't remake history sometimes Mm -hmm. just use archival footage yeah you know if you use footage from like the 50s of something that happened or or you know footage of like the day of like the Kennedy assassination yeah stuff like that that's obviously stuff that you have mm-hmm. and it's authentic and you can use because yeah. it's interesting and you can do that you don't have to recreate these moments because it was shot once before mm-hmm. um, I think that's useful but I do think there is a certain like category you can fall into with stock footage where it's inauthentic it's lazy yeah, <laughs> and it's not uh, effective mm-hmm. so that's that's my warning about stock footage so if someone someone calls you and they're like man I've got two weeks left to finish this project I can't shoot anything else how do I find the stock footage that's best for my movie well, there are, I know that's yeah. very broad but there are sites with very there because like when people think of stock footage because the whole industry of stock footage is changing especially now um Five, ten years ago, stock footage was as generic as it could be. It's very, mm-hmm. like, newsreel stuff. Yeah, very, whitewashed. Like, yeah, nothing interesting. 
And then there's companies now like, you know, Film Supply, and even even some of the companies that were generic like Shutterstock or whatever, they they they'd all have stock footage, but the stock yeah. footage is getting better and better. It's looking more um, cinematic, or mm-hmm. it's looking more um, professionally shot, mm-hmm. even if it isn't cinematic. It just looks better. Um, but there are some companies that do like really cinematic stock footage, or it'll just be like a, a filmmaker's short film that they sold to a stock footage company. Yeah. And all the footage from their short film you can now use for commercials. Mm-hmm. And it's like really good looking stuff. Part of me is like that kind of breaks my heart like yeah. a little bit. It's like let me just like sell this stuff that I shot off to make a little extra cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know, I can't speak for the filmmakers who do that. Um, cause you know, at some point I, I might've been like, oh, I need that money, <laughs> take my, take my raw footage and sell it to whoever the hell wants it. Um, but part of me is like, you know, that, that's a little like the lowest point because I don't think those companies are paying you what you're worth. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think you're getting the money that you really deserve for the things you've shot. Um, and then I also think like you're kind of whoring out your, your stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you're gonna sell out, then do it at the top, <laughs> not at the bottom. <laughs> Don't sell out before you you make bank. I say if you're gonna sell out, do it at the very top, yeah. uh, where you, where you can actually make some money instead of where you're gonna make like a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. So I don't know. Like I I'm I'm not uh, crazy about that practice in general, mm-hmm. but. Uh, uh, I've even for a short film I just shot uh, a lot of the b-roll I shot you know it looks really beautiful we shot it like in a forest mm-hmm. during sunrise the glittering water it looks really good mm-hmm. and the director looked at me he's like oh we could sell this stuff and I immediately wanted to like puke I was like ugh <laughs> like this is your movie you know just make the movie like you're thinking about like how can I make it a little extra petty cash yeah. by selling this stuff um I'm torn because it's like, yeah, you could make some money off of it, and mm. you know. But a part of me is also like, no, it's it's like, you, you put everything you got into it. Like, mm. Must you sell everything? You know, <laughs> can't you hold out for when you deserve it? Or mm. you know, I don't know. I'm still, I'm, I'm a little like iffy on that. So. Well, I mean, it's pretty much the dilemma of the artist, right? Yeah. But now it's broken down into like micro points. <laughs> Yeah. Instead of a bigger picture thing. Yeah, that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. Um, so if someone was like, same question, they got two weeks left. Like, I have to use stock footage. What are the biggest things that you would say, if you had to choose two things, like avoid these two things, it would be like, you know, make sure it's the same frame rate, make sure it's the same camera. Like, what are the biggest things yeah I, I don't think it 100% has to be the same camera because mm-hmm. some of the stuff is shot on better cameras not all of it but you if you've got a good colorist they, they might be able to put two and two together like I've gotten stock footage from different websites that I had to put in the same project mm-hmm. so I just had to like kind of mess with the colors until it felt similar and you know we we're able to do that but and it's sorry i'm gonna cut in real quick yeah how do you know when you can't do that as a colorist it's like you know one shot of the sunset shot on someone's phone mm-hmm. and then another shot of the sunset that goes next to it shot on you know the red 
red camera. Mm-hmm. One's going to be like very consistent and like clean. One's going to be completely blown out. Okay. Or just like the shadows are like completely like crushed, mm-hmm. and you can't salvage that because like they're not capturing the same image. Okay, that's um, fair. So that you know, like you can't really do much about that, but. Uh, if, if they're decent cameras, you can kind of get them close enough. I think a good colorist, regardless of whatever differences there are, if there's an amount of quality there, they can kind of sew it together. Mm. Um, yeah, but then frame rate's another one to watch out for. If your whole film is shot in 24 frames and then you've got a piece of footage that's like 60, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to like <laughs> figure out how to put that in. Yeah, we had a movie that was sent to us recently that was like that it just randomly would be in different frame rates really yeah maybe didn't show it to you i'll show it to you after this i remember the opening scene or shot i guess it's like an aerial thing of a forest yeah super choppy and then it would get into the regular stuff and it's like oh well it's just smoother and then it would go back to a different frame rate when it went to like more environmental shots right and then go back to regular frame rate for the normal stuff i mean some people they mess with frame rates for an actual effect but i don't know if that's the case that might be just like a mistake (laughs) but uh yeah you gotta check for that stuff like when you buy stock footage um off a good website it'll tell you the the specs off of the footage the frame rate um the resolution sometimes it tells you the camera it's shot on you know, you you want to look out for these things when you're buying stock footage, mm. so it matches the project you're making. So just look out for that. And what are the least important things to look out for? Uh, I don't think there are any. <laughs> you gotta look out for everything. I mean, if you had to, the price. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you can range differently. Different websites have the same price for every piece of footage. Some places have different prices for higher and lower resolutions. Yeah. So, if you only need ten, if you only need a, a ten eighty piece of stock footage, then there's no reason to buy the four K. I yeah. guess if you're finishing in ten eighty, so you can save some money there. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So I guess that's all I. Mm-hmm. All I got for stock footage and stuff. Is there any other finishing pieces of advice when using or contemplating using stock footage that comes to mind for you? Like, I, I think stock footage can be useful. And I'm, I'm positive, even in movies I like, there's stock footage in there that I don't know mm-hmm. is stock footage. There, there has to be. Yeah. Um, just by the sheer number of movies that are out there. But it's done so... Um, well and seamlessly that I don't notice maybe mm. so it just depends um, I think like when you just see like a drone shot in something mm-hmm. you, that's another thing where you can kind of tell like eh, that looks like stock footage yeah. um, I personally don't even like to use drone shots in anything I do mm-hmm. just because it kind of feels like that now um, the whole like landscape has changed where drones are so accessible mm-hmm. um, that kind of footage is so uh uh synonymous with stock footage yeah that whenever you sit you're like 
I know how that's shot, and and it just like it leaves. It's not us. like back in the day when you had to get a helicopter. Yeah, back in the day, it's like yeah, because it was hard <laughs> to do it. But now everyone's got a drone, so when you see it, you're like, okay. Um, it kind of takes the, the the beauty out of it. So I'm I'm myself personally a little like stay away from drone shots. Yeah. So, uh, unless it's completely necessary. Uh, yeah. I think the only thing that I'm like hard no against is stock music. Yeah. It Personally. can be pretty corny, man. I know. It is. I mean, with stock footage, you can still mess with it. Mm-hmm. Right? You can still really like, you can color it differently, you can reframe it, you can change. Um, uh, you could ramp it, change the speed, mm-hmm. or and if you wanted to, you could probably add some visual effects to it. You could do yeah. a bunch of shit to, but with music, usually people just take it as it's given. Yeah, it's not like you get it. the individual like recording tracks. Well, you can get stems. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, for some, for some sites, they give you stems for, um, uh, music. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some websites that do really good music. Mm-hmm. But those are usually expensive, and people will often avoid those websites and will go straight to like the cheesy free stuff. Yeah. And it's like that's when it's just like it goes to shit. And I've yeah. seen people use it on on film projects, and I'm just like, just pay for the better stuff, or or get some composer. You know, there's options. Don't mm-hmm. go to like the the worst option. <laughs> and what like were you involved in those projects that use the stock music yeah i mean i've i worked on com- a lot of commercial stuff mm. with stock music yeah i don't even argue then because i'm like that's just the business yeah it's commercial <laughs> yeah um but with films i'm like you don't want to use stock music man just it's the cheapest option and it's also like the worst it sounds the worst um, Did if, you, yeah. if you license music that's made mm. from some of these websites because there's some websites where artists will put their music on the website and mm. you can license that yeah. um, I guess it is stock but it's like it's really good music yeah. um, as opposed to like generic loop happy loop you know Viagra song whatever yeah. you don't want to go in that direction did you ever ask them like hey uh, why are you doing this it's hard with music Mm-hmm. Um, you know one one piece of music someone's like oh it sounds cinematic and then to you it's like that sounds like it's from the 90s it's like it's completely in a different place but music is so subjective it's hard to have that conversation sometimes mm-hmm. but you know you just gotta sometimes let people learn the hard way or you know that's just their taste and you can't really do much about it so what kind of film projects were they? Like shorts? Usually shorts. Once a feature. Mm. Where there was like stock music. And I was like, I hate this music. But I, I don't want to tell this guy because like it's not my department. Mm. You know, I'm working on as a colorist. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't be talking to this guy about his music choices. And was it just like one song within the movie? Yeah, but it came in a couple times. And I was just like, I hate that piece of music. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm like, why are you using that? I'm like, oh, where'd you get your music for your film? I asked him. He's like, oh, just some stock stuff. And I'm like, okay. But as a colorist, I'm not in the position to be like, hey, your music here is pretty bad. Yeah. So was it... He had an original score aside from that one piece? 
yeah he said a friend of him friend of his was making music for the project too mm-hmm. yeah and you know I've worked with people who exclusively work with stock music in their films oh yeah <laughs> especially in commercials and whatnot no I mean like their films like their actual movies like really? short films like they only use stock music and I'm always like boggled by this because as soon as I hear the music I'm like I can tell you just got that off some website mm. so it's a money saving thing at that point it is yeah yeah and I think it it always like hurts the movie in the end so yeah like I'm trying to go over it in my head and I can't imagine there would be any like if you're just taking stock music and putting it beside one piece next to another like it wouldn't have any personality and whatever flow it might have would feel so artificial yeah well sometimes people go for the easiest version of what they're going for Mm -hmm. like if it gets you at least close to that kind of feeling of what a movie sounds like Mm -hmm. or like what you think it might sound like then you go for that Mm -hmm. but I'm always like you should go for something that feels like really really tied to your movie mm-hmm. it's almost like it's born out of the movie itself like yeah. if you never made that movie the music you're making for it shouldn't exist like an original score yeah it should yeah. be connected to the thing you're doing um in a very like personal way uh so when you just like plaster something on that's mm-hmm. all pre-existed um without really thinking about how it connects to what you're doing mm-hmm. i think it that's what makes it kind of bland and generic yeah um like there's a composer um that I'm listening to right now and his music is I, I think it's awesome it's, it's great and it feels like the thing I'm writing okay so I listen to his album and just mm. listen to all the songs and it just completely reminds me of the film I'm trying to make in my head do you think sometimes people will use stock music because they used temp music and then they're like, well, why don't we just... I heard the stock music, that sounds basically the same. Let's just throw that in there. That could be a case. Mm. But, uh... If your temp music sounds like stock music, then the temp music probably sucks. That's true. That's <laughs> very true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you... I'm. I'm really, like... If you love movies to some extent even if you don't have like a taste that everyone else likes or your taste slightly differs from other people mm. you kind of have to like music yeah. <laughs> you know have a little bit of passion like you played music for a lot of time yep right so you've already kind of got that in you mm-hmm. um i never played music but i do really like music in a in a very personal way and i love like exploring different genres and stuff Hmm. so like for me music is really important as well but i think if you haven't really gone through your phases with music and listened to different things and kind of figure out what your sound is and what you like or what you're attracted to then it makes it harder for you to make films in a way yeah yeah that's pretty fair um some guy out there with no taste in music he's like i don't even listen to music what the fuck (laughs) Music. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Even if you love pop music and that's all you listen to, mm-hmm. there's something to that. Yeah. It's, it's gonna like drive you in a certain way. I personally like. I cannot stand pop music at all. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, I um, feel you. 
when I was a teenager, I loved it. I was like, really? Well, in a way, because like you know, you're part of like dance groups, whatever's like hot. That's what you're dancing to. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean pop music like Britney Spears. I mean like whatever's like popping on the radio. Like radio top forty. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes I'd hate that stuff too. But I, you know, mm. n- now I can't stand any of it. Yeah. I've completely like gone in like a different place in my head for music. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Kate actually gets mad at me if we're driving around and she turns the radio on and I don't like it. I just turn it off. Like, <laughs> I'd rather drive in silence don't than listen, listen to, to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's the old people thing, you know? You start to get a little older and you're like, what is this bullshit? <laughs> yeah, but no, honestly, I think like music right now is going through something that it ha- it has never really gone through before in the sense that like Radio Top Forty sounds computer generated to me, mm. and even like you know say if you were born if you were raised in the fifties and then you had a kid that grew up in the eighties and like your music was you know blues or soul or whatever and your kid's music was heavy metal yeah heavy metal doesn't sound like it was made by a computer Mm -hmm. but top 40 radio to me at least does i'm like every single one of these is auto-tuned to oblivion they're all singing about the same thing and Mm -hmm. it all sounds like a 17 year old girl well in a way like pop music now is becoming it's producer driven yeah and it's becoming very uh Generic in the way that there's a formula to, oh, to yeah. make a song. Absolutely. Even in, in terms of the actual writing and the way songs are structured. Mm-hmm. It's very... You could take, like, um, not a bunch of pop songs, because there are some pop songs that are very different. Mm-hmm. But you could take a hit from, like, uh, an artist that becomes kind of big. They're, like, a, not a great artist, but they're not awful, but they're not really memorable. Mm-hmm. And find, like, six of those kinds of artists. Yep. And find, like, their biggest hits, and they'll all kind of be structured the same way. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, wait, there's a formula here. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you could isolate the vocals from one of those and the beat from the other. Yeah. Overlap it, and it would sound like the same song. Yeah. I think the only... There are places where it differs, where, like, there's some artists that... Regardless of what you give them, they always kind of knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. You know, like a Rihanna, for example. Mm. Um, whether you like her or not, she's very, very good at making a song work okay. um, herself as an artist. Um, and I think that's why like, she's kind of jumped from genre to genre. Not genre, but style to style within mm-hmm. all her music, which is kind of weird. But uh, some artists who just sound the same over and over and over and over. Yep. So, I think... Uh, that's why you shouldn't use stock footage. And stock music. And stock music. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't know how we got there, but that was uh, that was good. I think it was an important talk to have, though. I think so. Yeah. And also, this is pretty much a full episode, so we can cut this here and save subject two for the next episode. Sure. Well, until next week, I'm Matt Ralston. This is gun talk. <laughs> it's gun talk. I'm a thief. And we're brought to you by whoever bought Pippa. Well, now soon. Yeah, we still don't know because we recorded this right after the last episode and we didn't find out in between. But we'll get there. We should announce it on episode 100. Yeah. Hmm. Wouldn't it be great if it was like, instead of Pippa, it was like Rippa? (laughs) 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 That'd be such a shame. (laughs) It'd be kind of great, though. All right, till next week, guys.